Today is a standalone message, um, not a part of a series, and I typically like to operate within a series, but today is a standalone message, and I felt like it was an important message uh, because as of January the 1st at 12.01, our merger with Parkview Baptist Church was, uh, was legally completed, if that makes sense. All the paperwork had been filed and signed and notarized and everything, and so as January 1st hit, the uh, merger was legal uh, was was finalized legally um, but it wasn't just because of that I believe as we talk today about multi-generational church uh, that we have been that to a certain degree from the first day uh, that we started back in October of 2017 and if I may by way of introduction this morning um, I we planted this church we had no building we had no uh, no infrastructure we planted this church back in 2017, and, uh, and, and God did a work. But I will say this, I've I talked to a lot of church planters. I'm friends with many church planters even here in Durham. I'm, I'm friends with church planters that have planted churches all throughout the United States. And many of them, a strategy um, in their church planting is that they, they target a specific demographic. They go and they, they research and they want to know, they want to find an area that has a lot of young people and, and they, they do some, they, and, and research is great, uh, but, but they know exactly their target. And so they, they market or they brand their church, to be honest with you, oftentimes to reach those between the ages of 18 and 30. And that is the goal of that church is to reach those people between the ages of 18 and 30. And, and can I just say that this, this was morning? I'm, I'm happy for those people. I believe that, how many of you believe 18 to 30 year olds need to be reached? Raise your hand this morning if you agree with that. I believe there needs to be a place of worship that is for 18 to 30 year olds. And so those that have done that, that is incredible and that's awesome. I don't, I don't, I'll get to that. I'm not going to get to my sermon yet. Um, I'm for that, but I did not want to, I did not want to plant our church with that philosophy. I wanted to plant our church with the philosophy of uh, truly multi-generational uh, to where we can reach people of all age demographics that we don't necessarily cater to one age demographic or the other. I will say as a pastor, if I'm not careful, I will consistently cater our church to the age demographic that I happen to be in, if I'm not careful. Um, you know, I've, I've really tried to do this. My 12-year-old my daughter, Kelsey, is now a part of the student ministry at our church. And so the tendency for me is to now be all up in Jeff's business with the student ministry because I happen to have a kid in there. And, and now start, we start only talking about the student ministry and we only start doing this because if I'm not careful, the life stage that I'm in becomes the most important stage in the church. And I'm trying to guard myself from that because I understand that we planted this church with a multi-generational focus and vision. I, I hate to say it this way, but we wanted to... We wanted to create a church where a grandfather can worship next to his grandson, where, where, a, where a person in their 70s can, can look to, to the side of them and see their 19-year-old relative. That is what we wanted, and, and, and I'm not here today to brag on us. I'm here today saying, by God's grace, I hope that we have or are fulfilling that vision. But today I want to talk about what it means scripturally, why, number one, we need to be committed to it, 
Uh, why number two, uh, it, it needs to continue to be a part of our culture. We've spoken at length a couple of different times about multi-ethnic church. And as you guys know, we're not there yet. We want to be there. Uh, when everyone is here on a Sunday, we're a little more multi-ethnic than we are today. Uh, but when everyone's here, um, but at the end of the day, multi-ethnic is not the only multi that the Bible speaks of. And the Bible does speak about multi-ethnic church. But it also speaks to multi-generational church. And that's what we're going to do today. So hang with me. We're going to be in a couple of different uh, texts today and talking about multi-generational church. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. At the end of the day, God, that is what we are communicating. We want to communicate your word. We want to communicate your philosophy. We want to communicate the philosophy of the local church. God, we thank you so much for being here with us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Number one, I want to say this. If a church is a family, it must be multi-generational. We say that around here that we are a family. We mentioned this morning that one of our family members, the Kennedy family, is hurting. And that if we're a family, then we are going to surround our family with love and care during this time. That we're going to weep with those who weep. That we're going to rejoice with those who rejoice. Consider Paul speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Beginning in verse 3, Paul says this, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When, that I may feel joy, when? Verse 5, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. This is not in my notes, but I'm going to go ahead and start there. Older, the older generation, I want us to understand this. Paul acknowledged the young generation, and what did he say? He said that they had a genuine faith. And can I say this just because... The worship may not look exactly like you remember growing up, or, or maybe the dress is a little bit different than what you were comfortable with growing up, or maybe they use lingo that's not quite as relative to your life stage, that their genuine faith is still there. Some of the most genuine people in our church are those between the ages of 18 and 30. Some of the most genuine worshipers in our church, and, and those who will do anything in the world for the church, Paul makes it a point to make sure he says that Timothy's faith was genuine. But he says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. If I may, young generation this morning, equally as important. You may look back on the older generation and say, man, that was not like the way I like it. Or, or man, that, they didn't see, it wasn't as much energy or, or things were different or they dressed up more or whatever. Listen, he says here that Lois and Eunice, that genuine faith first dwelt in them. And young people today, if I can encourage you, you want the, your, your faith to be authentic, authentic. When we look to the past generations, may we acknowledge the authentic faith. You see, this morning, the purpose of this text and the purpose of the text that we're going to be going to this morning is not to create division, but to create unity. It's not to create a, a pointing back and forth, but a gathering together. But he says he called to remembrance the genuine faith. That is in you, Timothy, which, fell, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and then persuaded is in you also. Paul is filled with joy, he says in verse 4, when he recalls the multi-generational faith in Timothy's family through Lois and Eunice. 
And may I say this morning, it is very important. It is very important this morning that our families have multi-generational faith. Like our, our families, like mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, grandson, niece, nephew, aunts, uncles. It is important that we create multi-generational faith within our families. Now, can we believe on Jesus for someone in our family? Absolutely not. They have to do that on their own. But we ought to create an environment, an atmosphere within our families that our families want to worship Jesus together, that our families want to serve Jesus together, that our families want to go to church together. I would not say any names, even though none of you here would know who I'm talking about, but about five years ago, I sat down with a man in Durham, North Carolina, who attends a old school Southern Baptist church here in Durham, North Carolina. And he was telling me about his daughter. And the church that he goes to is no longer what it used to be. And it's kind of, um, kind of tanked a little bit over the last maybe 10 to 15 years. And it's just uh, struggling. And he was like, man, I'm really excited that my daughter was a part of a missions, uh, went on a missions team. And then they're considering being a part of a church plant team. And I'm like, oh, cool. Where do they go to church? How much, can I be, I'll be straight with you. Oh, they go to Summit. And with tears in his eyes, he goes, I asked him this question. I said, don't, don't you wish that they were on a missions team from your church? Don't you wish that there was a church plant team leaving from your church? And with tears in his eyes, he goes, absolutely. But what am I supposed to do? Absolutely. And so this morning, it's important that we create an environment here at Keystone Church where moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas can, can worship together with sons and daughters and grandsons and granddaughters. It's very important this morning. But not just your family. Not just your family. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 this morning. Beginning in verse 1. But as for you, speaking of Titus, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. So this is what good doctrine is. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine. A little, but not much. Teachers of good things. That they admonish the young women to love their husbands. Did you catch that? That they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. To be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, older men exhort the younger men to be sober-minded. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil. To say of you, there's a lot packed in those verses. I love the fact that once again, Paul is speaking about the younger generation. He uses words like discreet, uh, uh, loving their husbands, loving their children, men. He uses words like sober minded, showing a pattern of good work, integrity, reverence. Paul acknowledges the fact that being young is no excuse. Paul says, listen, the older in the church should teach the younger to be these things. But he says that the older should teach the younger. And the overall principle here is that those who have a few miles on their tires should be willing to be examples to future generations on what it looks like to be a committed follower of Jesus. Can I repeat that? 
Those who have a few miles on their spiritual tires should be willing to teach and train those who are coming after them that don't have as many miles on their tires what it looks like to be a committed follower of Jesus Christ. That is not just your age physically. That can also include your spiritual age, your spiritual maturity. I believe there are some younger people who may be more spiritually mature than some older people. And I think that this principle would hold true for that teaching and training and accountability and, 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 and depending on one another. This also means that those who just got their driver's license should be willing to learn from those who have some miles on their tires. That means if you're younger today and you're younger in your faith especially, that there ought to be some people that you look to, just, just like uh, the book of Titus says here, there ought to be some people who have been, have been further down the road than you that you look at and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow their faith because it's real. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to them. I'm going to ask them questions. I'm going to seek mentorship from them. Why? Because if a church is to be a family, it must be multi-generational. If a church is to be healthy this morning, it needs a younger generation to infuse energy, and it needs an older generation to infuse wisdom. Listen to me. If a church is to be healthy this morning, it needs a younger generation to infuse energy, and it needs an older generation to infuse wisdom. That is the balance of a church this morning, and that is what we strive for. That is what we are going for. If a church is to be a family, it must be multi generational different people different ages different life stages remember our goal one of our one of our main goals and our one of our main uh one one of our main strivings here at keystone is to be together not the same but together we never ask anybody to completely line up 110 percent with everything we do here i don't line up 110 percent with everything we do here and i'm the pastor we don't ever ask that of anybody but we do ask people to be together, to be together. I won't get on the piano this morning, Carla, and play bad harmony and then good harmony. There's bad harmony. We don't need any of that. You know, you ever heard somebody play and you're like, whoa, what happened? Um, I don't even know music, but I'm like, whoa, something happened. But then you hear just this beautiful melody and harmony together and you're like, wow, I don't even know what's going on, but it sounds great. And then there's a third one that a lot of churches go for. It's called unison. Ba, 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 ba. We don't want that either. That gets annoying very fast. If everybody looks the same, dresses the same, and talks the same, leave. It's called, that, that is possibly a cult, okay? So we don't, want, we don't want that. We don't want that. But if we're going to be a family, we have to be multi-generational. Together, not the same. Secondly, this morning, I want us to see that we must intentionally work to love and understand one another. We must intentionally work to love and understand one another. In our human and sinful nature, we grow weary with people who see the world, who understand technology, who make decisions, who process information differently than we do we struggle sometimes I, can, can we be honest with each other this morning we struggle interacting with people that don't think the same way we do um politics just throw that out there for you we struggle mightily interacting with people like a christian 
that don't agree with us. Last night, a, a pastor friend of mine sent me a screenshot of a politician's post on Facebook. And the first three comments, and I don't know if you, if you know this, the way the algorithm works, Facebook will show you what your friends comment first. So the first three comments were all by pastors or pastors' wives. And it was absolutely horrific. The comments made under a politician's Facebook post. His, his, quote, his text to me was, man, I'm thankful for the body of Christ really showing the love of Jesus in the new year. You know, at the end of the day, we must intentionally work to love and to understand one another. And that includes people who don't think like you, who don't vote like you, who don't believe the same exact same thing you do maybe. Maybe, they, maybe there's something that they see a little bit differently here or something they see a little bit differently there. We must work. It means we must commit to placing our preferences down in favor of the advancement of the kingdom of God. Hear it out, church. We must be willing to lay our preferences down in order to advance the kingdom of God. Let me ask you an honest question. Can you, with good conscience, worship next to someone who voted differently than you in November? Or do you care more about the nationalistic politics than do the kingdom of God? Honest question. Honest question. I've asked some pastors that. Hey, do you, I've asked some, some, some Trump-supporting pastors, hey, if someone was a Biden supporter, do you think they'd, be, they'd feel welcome in your church? And I've asked the vice versa. Hey, do you think some Trump supporter would feel welcome in your church? At the end of the day, listen, folks, our differences may be there, but at the end of the day, our preferences and our differences for the kingdom of God's sake must be laid down so that we can function as a multi-generational uh, family together worshiping Jesus. Hey, by the way, you're going to be in heaven for all eternity worshiping with people who voted differently than you. You might as well get used to it. You might as well get used to it. Oh, I don't like that kind of music. Well, good, you're going to be worshiping with that kind of music, probably, because it's eternity. So get ready, get used to it. It means that we must think less of ourselves and we must think more of Jesus and the gospel. We must think less of ourselves and our preferences and we must think more upon Jesus and the gospel. We must work, and I mean that this morning. We must work intentionally, work to create a blended, multi-generational environment to worship in. We must work at it. We must work at it. At the end of the message today, I'm going to give us some practical steps that we can work at. But let's, for now, let's just say we must work to do this. This will not happen just by chance. We must work. God willing, we never at our church will create two different worship environments, a traditional service or a contemporary service, because we want to worship together, together. We specifically did what we did this morning for a reason. We sang new songs. We sang hymns. We try to do that every week. Now, don't hold us to that. There's many different things that, that bring a, a music set together, Tim knows. Uh, there's many different things to bring it together, including who's available, who's singing, who's playing, all those different things. And so if you're ever here a week and a hymn is not done, don't say I lied to you. We try our best every week to blend our worship because we don't want to create factions within our church. We want to bring unity. We want to bring unity. We want to worship together. I'm going to read a quote by Mark Clifton. It's a long quote. 
Mark Clifton is a senior director within the North American Mission Board. He specifically works with church revitalization. And so uh, I believe in his research and his experience, this would hold true. Can I warn you, this is not my quote, this is his quote. Some of it may be a little direct, but that's okay. Direct quotes are not bad. He says this, older people must find their joy in passing off leadership to the next generation. They must learn to find their joy in witnessing the next generation incarnating the gospel into their context, bringing it to life, putting flesh to it. They must let go of the idol of the past, their need to control, and most importantly, their need to be made much of for all the work they have put in over the years. They need to rejoice in all the work Jesus has done for them over the years. By the way, Mark Clifton would be an older man, in his, relatively speaking. The younger people need to identify the real and meaningful struggle that older people endure. The constant sense of loss, the loss of a career, the loss of loved ones, the loss of mobility often, the loss of understanding how new things work, uh, the loss of uh, control of their lives, knowing that they face an ever-declining future of less independence and more reliance on others. Young people need to show, listen to this, an overwhelming amount of compassion to older people and walk with them through this difficult stage in life. My friends, that's the beauty of multi-generational church. It is an older generation who says, man, we've had some good days and we've had some good times, but I understand that there's something that follows after me. And man, if I, if I, if I can't play the drums up here, man, I, if a 38-year-old can't play the drums up here, man, I want a 13-year-old to play it. You know why? Because that 13-year-old is going to play it a lot longer than I will. Hey, listen, if I can't do it, or even if I can do it, I want to be pulling other people behind me that are younger, and I want to rejoice and find my joy in the younger people. And then the younger people are grateful and compassionate. No, no, listen, you can, listen let's, let's do this together. Let me help you walk through this together. Let's do this together. At the end of the day, if we're going to be a multi-generational church, there has to be an older generation who says, I'm going to find my joy in watching the younger people uh, build the church for the name of Christ. And there has to be a younger generation that says, I'm going to give honor and respect and help the, the older generation that's paved the way, that's paid for this. I'm going to honor them and respect them by including them. Here's what it looks like. I'm sorry, I'm not there yet. Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Romans chapter 12 shows us what it looks like to live with a mind that has been transformed by Christ. How can we, how can we intentionally work to love and understand one another? Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Here it is. In honor, giving preference to one another. In honor giving preference to one another. That's good relationship advice as well. So, but we're not here for marriage counseling. So, If you want to look also, and I'm not going to turn there this morning, I'm not even going to read one verse there. But if you'd like to this morning, just two chapters 
later, Romans chapter 14, it breaks down in great detail how we are supposed to interact with those both within our church body and without the church, without the church body who disagree with us on some practical applications of non-essential beliefs. How do we deal with people who, this person wants to eat meat off of idols, this person says it's wrong. I think it's cool, they think it's wrong. How do we interact with those people? Romans chapter 14, I would encourage you this week, maybe take some time and just read through that chapter. Here's what it looks like as an illustration. Here's what it looks like to work to love and understand one another. My dad is 77 years old. He has dementia. He has every other possible type 2 diabetes, um, uh, high cholesterol, heart issues. He's not in good health, and he's 77 years old. My mom is 74, and she she's, acts like she's 44. But anyway. But my parents, they, 12 years ago, they had a granddaughter. And you know what I saw? I saw a grandfather who's like, I'm, well, at that time, you know, I saw him on the floor making baby faces and noises like a crazy person. I saw my mom, like, out on a boogie board, out in the water, or like tubing down a, because grand, grandkids. And when grandkids come, all the rules that I had when I was growing up go out the window. You no longer have those rules, and now the kids can do anything they want, and the grandparents will get down there and play with them and squeeze their cheeks and do whatever. You know why? Because it's family. And you know what, Grandpa? He'll get down on the floor. We call him G-Daddy. G-Daddy will get down on the floor and play. Sarah's, Sarah's parents, Sarah's dad is Mr. Energy. And Sarah's dad, he will goof off and play and run. And, and we get in the pool and here he comes. He's a, he's a fish. He just comes and he, he can swim like crazy. He loves swimming. And, and Sarah's mom playing board games. And you know why? Because it's family. But you know what also? It's time to eat. We're having f- some friends or family over. Hey, listen, when it's time to eat meal at, at at my parents' house, you're going to sit up properly in the seat. You're even going to take your elbows off the table. You know, I'm, not gonna, I'm not going to make fun of my parents, even though I could right now. Um, but, uh, I mean, my mom, it could be like, Mom, we're going to pick up Subway for lunch. And I show up, and she's decked out like she's going to like a, 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 you know, a presidential ball somewhere. I'm like, Mom, it's just Subway. Chill. But, but my daughter's going to sit at the table, and we're going to act right. And we're not going to be goofy. And if, 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 they get, if the, my daughters get done before everyone else, they're going to, may I please be excused? You know why? Family. Family. Can I apply it to church? Hey, sometimes older generation, it's okay to get down on the floor and play a little bit. It's okay. You can vacuum when you're done. All those rules that you thought you had, hey, listen, it's all good. Take a deep breath. It's going to be fine. You know why? Family. We're family. Hey, but younger generation, can I be honest? Every now and then, sit up, put your phone away, pay attention, be engaged in uh, candle lighting. By the way, these windows are incredible, never going away, because I love the way it brings the past and the future together. Um, it's okay, younger generation, to participate in some of the traditions of the church. 
You know why? Family. You'll be fine. You'll be excused in a little while and you'll be able to go do your thing. Is that not a good illustration of what we're supposed to be as a church? I, I watch my dad or my mom or Sarah's parents. I watch them interacting with my daughters. And I think, man, that's what I want to be as an older pastor. That's what I want to be. And then I see my daughters, and they're not perfect, but I see my daughters interacting with their grandparents in a very respectful and, I believe, Christ-honoring way. And, I'm, and still having fun. And I'm like, you know what? That's what I want for our, that's what I want for our young adults. That's what I want. How can we do this this morning? Thirdly, and we're done. We must keep Jesus at the center of our church culture. We must keep Jesus at the center of our church culture. Colossians chapter 1, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence how does a younger follower of jesus show respect and deference to the gray-headed members of their church by keeping jesus preeminent by keeping jesus the central focus by keeping jesus at the center how does an older follower of jesus find new life and joy in the young blood coming up in their church by keeping jesus preeminent by keeping jesus at the center. This morning, there's nothing I like more than to see a, a dad worshiping beside his daughter or son. There's nothing I like to see more than young adults worshiping next to older adults. They may look different. Good. We may think differently about certain things. Good. We need to. It's healthy. I guess it all boils down to this question. Is it about Jesus or is it about you? Ask yourself that question. In relation to multi-generational church, is it about Jesus? Or is it about you? Think about this this morning. When all our eyes are on Jesus, we can absolutely function together as a multi-generational church family. When our eyes get on ourselves in selfishness or on others in judgment, we will splinter and eventually cease to be a multi-generational church family. You're reading it on the screen. When our eyes are on Jesus, we can absolutely function together as a multi-generational church family. But when our eyes get on ourselves in selfishness or on others in judgment... We will splinter and eventually cease to be a multi-generational church family. He is before all things. In him all things consist. He's the head of the body, the church. Who's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things he may have the preeminence. What are some practical ways that we can commit to multi-generational church. And we're done. Celebrate our diverse congregation. I'm going to do this for you guys. <coughs> there we go. You're welcome, by the way. I ain't never seen a pastor do that before. I just heard him cough right into it. I just wanted to 
Get you guys away from that. Celebrate our diverse congregation. Steve, when we hear them kids in there screaming, right? Steve said, Pastor Farrell would stand up here and pray that one day while he was preaching, there'd be a baby start crying while he was preaching and interrupt him because there wasn't any babies in the church. So we must celebrate our diverse congregation. A couple weeks ago, it was kind of a quiet time in our worship. I think Tim was praying. It was in there in that time. And the kids happened to be singing at that time. And like you could hear it all the way coming through here. And my first inclination, honestly, shut all them doors. Good Lord, let's get, you know. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, this is good. We always want to hear our kids. We always want to hear our kids. Celebrate the diverse congregation. Secondly, participate in blended worship. Listen, every song is not going to be your favorite. Every song ain't my favorite. If every song was your favorite, there would be no favorites. Okay? Everything can't be a 10 out of a 10, or else that's a 5. Okay? So you're like, I'm not sure about this song. Okay, cool. Just work. You'll be all right. Remember, we're not singing to you. We're singing to Jesus. Okay? You can make it. You can get through. Sky's not going to fall. Participate in blended worship. That means young people be as enthusiastic about the hymns as you are new songs. And older folks, give the new songs a chance. They're not all terrible, I promise. Just like some hymns are terrible, not all of them are terrible. Some of them are, let's be honest. There's a reason why you got 600 songs in that hymn book and you only sing about 50 of them. That means there's about 550 of them that might not be the best. Let's be real. All right. <laughs> Didn't mean to like throw some facts out there on you, but anyway. Uh, thirdly, attend a multi-generational connect group. We're going to announce our connect groups at the end of the service. Attend a multi-generational connect group. We have, uh, we do have a young adult group, but we have, in, 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 we have made all of our groups technically multi-generational because we do want that. We want younger people, older people. We want <clears throat> families that have kids that are young being in the same group as, as people that have grown kids because who knows something you're going through as a family that that family went through or they went through a few years ago. And there's, there's help there. Here's a good one. And Pastor Aaron is in Keystone Kids right now. I might start trying to say it loud enough for him to hear. Volunteer in Keystone Kids. All right. He, he would appreciate that. Hey, what's the best way to have multi-generational worship? Serve the children. Serve the children. Hey, how, how are you going to get to know these young families in the church? Well, serving kids, they drop them off, they pick them up, you interact, and you talk. Get involved next with the unashamed student group. Jeff's not here today. He's uh, down sick and he'll be back next week. But ask Jeff, hey, listen, are there activities I can come help at? What can I do to help? How can I help with the student ministry? You're like, man, I'm not really connected with our teens. Well, talk to them. Interact with them. Show up every now and then at an activity. Help Jeff set up. Help Jeff tear down. Oh, here we go. I'm, I'm meddling. There's only two left, and then we're done. This is going to blow your mind. Ask someone not your age to go to dinner. What? Find somebody in the church and be like, hey, man, maybe not today, but like next Sunday, if you guys don't have lunch plans, let's go grab lunch. I'm sorry, but I get to know people much better over chips and salsa than I do over pews. Just being real. Okay, I get to know people much better when I'm talking about football, 
or I'm talking about cooking, grilling, or I'm talking about whatever than I do when I'm sitting here with my back to somebody in the pew. And then over, I mean, this is as practical as it gets. Find value in people who are different than you. I mean that to my core. Find, listen, I don't mean this in a wrong way. There's not much value in someone who's exactly the same as you. You're already that person. Okay? You got that figured out. There's not much value in surrounding yourself with only people that are just like you. Because you have you figured out. There is value. There always has been value. Always will be value in interacting and finding value in people that are different than you. I try to do this. My friends are very, very diverse. In fact, every now and then I'll put something on Facebook that I don't intend to be controversial. And you will see my diverse friendship come out in the comments of my Facebook posts. I'm like, okay, got to shut this one down. Got to delete this one. But I have people that are uh, about anything. They are far left or they're far right or they're in between somewhere. I have instigators. Since we pray for Brian, uh, Brian, he's my instigator friend. I'm just kidding. No, not really. He is my instigator, one of my instigator friends. But I have friends that are instigators. I have friends that are texting me going, man, I can't believe so-and-so just commented that on your... I'm like, man, I'm just going to shut it down. But at the end of the day... I like to find value in people that are different than me. I like to find people that like different music than I like. I honestly, theologically, I like to surround myself with some people who don't maybe see something in the Bible the exact same way that I see it. You know why? It makes me get better. It makes me dig. It makes me sharp. I, I like to, to be around people who have interests that are different than mine because who knows? I might become interested in what they're interested in. I might grow in that area. Find value in people who are different than you. If they look the same, they talk the same, they act the same, they dress the same, they're all the same age, run. That's not a healthy church. That's not a healthy anything. And church family, can we today, as Keystone Church, can we commit to being multi-generational? Can we commit today to letting that tear swell up in our eye when we see two or three generations and as we grow as a church, maybe four generations worshiping together? Can we find joy in when we have um, baby dedication, you know, Sam and Rainey? Can we find joy in having baby dedication and having grandma and grandpa here and three generations together? Can we find joy in that? Can we find joy in Bruce playing the guitar at... He, Bruce is over 30 years old, and his daughter, who's a teenager, I'm just giving, I'm very general, Bruce, I'm not going to give you away, all right? Can we find joy in dad playing while daughter sings? Can we find joy, Shane, in playing while Hannah sings? Can we find joy in those things? Can we find joy, Melissa, in watching Brooke be a part of the Christmas? Just finding joy in that. Listen, we must commit ourselves to multi-generational church. Why? Because just as much as the Bible says that we should be multi-ethnic, it speaks of our being multi-generational. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. 
If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.